Right, we're back. Episode 25. Joke's on you. We're still alive. <laughs> of the Vinyl Collective. Um, your weekly journal of the hip-hop and R&B landscape. I'm your host, Topper. I'm your co-host, John. How many weeks have you been waiting to use that one? That's what I want to know. Not too long. Not as long as you probably think. It's probably a oh, few weeks. Know. I'm not going to lie. Probably, probably a few weeks. It like before your house or something. I mean, it's a popular song. I also made the tweet also when we were talking about um, the artist spotlight, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's not, not the biggest thing I've held. Nice into. little ones you want to sprinkle on. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But um, yeah, I mean, I know everyone's just thinking, okay, what's the anecdote today? I actually don't have much of an anecdote today but i will say i will comment on something we'll just kind of get straight into it because it's not gonna be that too long today but um i think i made a tweet right like no joke it must have been like last thursday or last friday and i said um i think i spoke to you about it before as well like i've fallen out of love with music videos because you know when mm-hmm. you like like when you're younger like music videos is kind of how you got music right because yeah it's not like, like yeah access to it right yeah exactly so obviously back then it's like for example, like when Michael Jackson dropped the filler video, apparently that's like a huge moment because that was like the release of the song. It was with the music mm. video and that's how you kind of got it. Um, so yeah, back then music videos had a lot of importance. But right now, like especially nowadays, music videos is purely just for the aesthetic. So like if yeah. you just enjoy the artist, yeah. you'll listen to the music. Like you'll watch, sorry, watch the music video and stuff like that. But it's not, it's not like a barrier to listen to the music. So for me, it's like, there's plenty of albums that I genuinely enjoy, but it's like, I've never watched the music videos because I, it's more just like extra study. Like you want to like see how the person thought of the song visually, but I don't really care for that. I think it's fine to come to your own conclusions. Yeah, I get you. There are, yeah. I think there are a few artists where I'm like, I know they've been working on the music video for a while. Like FK Twigs, I know a lot of her music videos were like quite poignant. So I'm going to go back and back and watch them. But yeah, I get you. Mm, it's not... Yeah. Um, it feels so, like yeah. a bit of an afterthought with some artists. It, exactly. And that's why I don't give a fuck about a lot of them. But yeah. as we saw, I think it was literally like two, two, three days ago, right? So <laughs> someone's kind of outside of the genre, but kind of in the genre that we look at. Lil Nas X dropped um, the music video for a song that he's been teasing since about like last summer called um, Montero, <laughs> which is a yeah. play on um, yeah. his actual name, right? And... Um, yeah, before I say anything in it, because I don't like to give my opinion, so I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like, I just want to see what you think generally. So what do you think? Have you seen the video? I've seen clips, so I have not watched the whole video, no. Okay, so obviously, John, you know, as you know, people who have followed this podcast for a while, I will know that you are, you know, a follower of Christ, right? And uh, a lot of the imagery here can be seen as satanic, they say. So what are your thoughts We're on brought that? Brought up in that, in that scenario anyway. Um... You're just, you're just defining me there. No, no, no. Like, obviously, I have that <laughs> background, right? Um, I'm, uh, it doesn't bother me too much. Like, I see, I see where the, I see where the drama comes from. Mm. Um, but at the same time, um, you're gonna have to help me out here. What's the name of the comedian that we were showing videos of recently? The one, um, ah, uh, she did a funny sketch of like her sitting in, like lying in oh, bed, and someone came. Oh gosh, yeah. And, like, oh. I cannot remember any. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to pick up my phone trying to search up, but I don't know her name, but I'll pick it up later. Continue though. I know. Exactly anyway, there's about. a funny comedian that um did a little talk about it and she she's a Christian, right? And she was like, um Yeah, just thought the whole thing was a bit ridiculous because it feels like the issue people have with it isn't necessarily about the video. It's also probably because the guy's gay, right? 
like which mm. is why it's all like exacerbated it's like you know a gay musician is now doing like you know all of this kind of like satanic hell imagery um yeah i don't know like do what you want um i don't really listen to his music that much it didn't personally offend me um china mclean china mclean that's her check her yeah. out she's hilarious <laughs> yeah okay right yeah no I, I get what you're saying like so it's like um well i think one thing that really surprised me right is that how like even though he didn't make any he didn't make any reference to like christianity or the bible or christ or anything like that in the music video so I, you know i've watched it it's just interesting that people kind of um came to those conclusions like straight off rip like as if mm. it is it's only <laughs> applicable to christianity because it definitely isn't so just for context people who haven't like seen the video right so essentially, um, obviously, no, don't get me wrong. There's definitely like themes that tie into the biblical narrative, like obviously the Garden Eden and stuff like that. It's in the video. So obviously this guy, um, I guess he's born into like a earth-like, you know, um, domain. Mm. And then he basically commits an act of sin. So basically like kind of engaging with sexual acts of someone he's not meant to. Not, the person's not like a man or woman. It's just some sort of like humanoid figure. Yeah, and obviously he's kind of like trialed in this like place that's meant to. It, I guess it appears quite saintly, but you got got like a lot of people like on, like onlookers kind of judging, like kind of like medieval times. Like, oh, yeah, get him out, like whatever. And then he's like, "Fuck this!" He descends all the way down to hell because he feels you know it's more accepted. And then there's like this devil, like demonic s figure, right? And um, he starts twerking on that guy, and then. At the end, he snaps like the devil's neck, or you can quote, and then he takes the horns of the devil and puts them on himself. And I thought, okay, doesn't cool. he like, like give a little? I heard he like gives a lap dance to him. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So, so he I does can all see of... why some people would be offended by that. So like, I don't know. I think there's definitely like a big theme of like guilt and fear and stuff in religion, right? Like you're supposed mm-hmm. to fear certain things. Yes, and I think yeah that's probably where the upset has come from, from like the mm. trivializing of like devil or of like sin and stuff like that. So I think that's probably why a lot of people are offended. Right. Yeah. So no, like, I, here you are just like doing like sexy dances on de- on the devil. What's going on here? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get you, but I guess the way I kind of saw it, right. Is that he's definitely put, he's, he's drawing parallels with religion, mm. but he's not saying you know, that's Christianity, that is the devil, because no. even again, right, who the fuck knows what the devil looks like? You know, who who knows what, like, yeah. at heaven or hell looks like? These are all, again, for, like, back then, someone said, oh, this is what the devil looks like, and someone said, that's fucking blasphemous, mate, but then we kind of agreed that the devil's red for whatever reason, has horns and all that stuff. That had to be agreed at some point in time, and maybe at that point in time, someone thought, rah, what the fuck are we doing? This is going too far, and then eventually, we realised, damn, it's not that these things are real, we just need some sort of, like, interpretation to work with you know what i mean it's like a, it's like a yeah 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 it's like a vision board in the sense not you're not saying this is it right we kind of spoke about it last um last week when you're talking about um the way artists paint like before it was like to kind of like create identical copies but now it's, now it's more of like um their perspective in their art right and i think that's exactly the same thing with some of these religious imageries because none exists right so mm. i think he drew parallels from that and kind of tied into the whole thing of home um, so the song essentially is about like um wanting to like have this relationship with someone and it's not like done in the dark he wants it to be open and 
I think also I'm not going to try to break down what he's trying to say here because it's not you know a song review. But I think the the music video tying to what he's saying it kind of makes sense for one, and I I don't think it's I I mean where are we going to draw the line right? So is it wrong to kind of be to kind of take I guess religious themes and put it into something that's not religious? Are we not allowed to do that? That's I mean that's the question. I don't know right, but I mean what is the line right? Because a lot yeah. of things, I mean, because a lot of things, even like Kendrick Lamar's "Damn," that's very inspired by religion. So, at, what what is the line, right? Is it is it fine when it's good? Because he was doing humble in a church. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what what is the line, right? So is it is it only when it's like talking about heavenly stuff? Is it how how vivid are the, yeah. the are the images allowed to be? So I think when you get into that type of like discussion. It can get really messy, but um, I actually thought the video was kind of fire. Like I think just I think, just, the, yeah. just the actual no pun intended, intended. Sorry, I think the actual just like the visuals are actually quite sick. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, obviously, the, the, I think the video is kind of you know designed. Lil Nas X is a troll, and the nature, shoes right? and everything, right? Yeah, he's. He, yeah. I think he's obviously doing it to get some sort. He's of trying to stay relevant. Oh, I mean, use that you said it the shadier way, isn't it? But, well, it's true. I Come mean, on. he's he's been relevant. He's still very relevant, my guy. <laughs> I mean, have you seen his monthly listeners? It's bloody crazy. Oh, it's big. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying he's tr- he's trying to. No, I'm... yeah, whatever. That's, <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. I know. I know. I said what I said. <laughs> yeah, he um, said what he said. Didn't it? But sorry, go on. Actually, I was just going to move on quickly. Um, another thing that's come up recently. I know there've been some Facebook posts and stuff just about like songwriters wanting more. I don't know if you've seen this. There've been quite a few mm. posts and that about songwriters. Um, specifically for the stars, like for huge artists and artists okay. trying to take some of the cut for the songwriting as well. Okay. And this kind of phenomena of like musicians who don't write their own songs, but getting songwriting credits on it just because it's their song. I don't know. How, I don't know how you feel about that. Wait, say that again. So a lot of songwriters mm-hmm. are annoyed that the artists themselves are putting themselves as credited on it ah, right, and are therefore right, taking okay. some wanting some of the like the financial credit from it uh, okay Which, yeah i think a lot mm. of artists yeah they kind of okay okay so that okay you go think of two examples right or two instances rather because mm. funny i was actually talking to um or about this just before this show so because i didn't know um the Beyonce song "Miss You" was um, written by Frank Ocean. That completely written by Frank Ocean. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, um, so obviously, I think. So you want an instance where it's like the whole song is literally just like you lift and shift, right? The person's written a song, all you've done is like sung over it. I think in that case, I get it because you didn't write that shit, and obviously, it. What, I guess, I don't know the financial. I guess kind of. Um, workings behind if someone else is credited like for example if it's if it's two people does, does that get split 50 50 i don't know if that's the case i kind of get why that's kind of bullshit because if you didn't write anything but then you have the another example where it's like okay you gave me the i guess the base element of the song and then i kind of added some of my own lyrics or interpretations from that yeah, i think yeah. then that that is legit even if it's quite small it's still a legitimate songwriting credit you know so um, and obviously I think you it just has yeah, to be on. like you just have to get a, work out a better deal for songwriters, right? Because a lot of them yeah. are obviously saying, you know, I've written for all these big artists. Like, I think some examples are like Lewis Capaldi, um, mm-hmm. 
etc. Right? I, in my head, I was like, Luke, Louis Capaldi, you know, he's a guitarist as well. He writes all his songs. Apparently mm. not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it just has to be like a a better contract written out for them. Because if you're getting like 100, 200 pounds for a song and mm. the song blows, you know, you've kind of, you fucked it, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I guess, can you get royalties for a song? Like, if you've written a song, I think you can. I think you can, right? You must but be then, Yeah, because I'm pretty sure people like Babyface have, like, crazy, like, um, royalties for songs they've written. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, Dark Child or whatever. But, um, so, I guess maybe that's the way. I guess it's hard, right? Because let's say it's an up-and-coming artist and you can't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to say 15% and you don't know if that guy's even going to blow or not. That's that's not money in your hand right now. So, I kind of get that. Um but then, uh, oh, okay, forget the legal like workings behind that because I can I don't actually know, so I can't really comment on that. But just in terms of this, so let's just talk about it in terms of like a moral standpoint, right? Because um, it's just more interesting. I think morally, it is kind of fucked up because it's like, okay, you actually didn't write this. Like, like for example, when Drake kind of took the whole Rico kind of verse, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay, that's kind of, that is kind of fucked up, right? But, um, yeah, so I think on that standpoint, I wouldn't be happy with it, to be fair. What do, you, what, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think there just needs to be greater, I don't know, greater like visibility of songwriters because a, a lot of artists themselves start out like that. But you're mm. like, oh, you know, I first had the EP in 2012 and they're like, yeah, I was working behind the scenes for like five years writing songs for so-and-so. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, songwriting probably does need to have a a great spotlight <laughs> later, spotlight thrown on it um mm. yeah just so that like artists particularly popular ones aren't you know just kind of taking the credit and these these guys are just like behind the scenes working their asses off like the little the little hamsters in the wheels you know <laughs> yeah um, no because yeah, because it, it does seem like a bit of a an imbalance right because, you know, if you're a small-time artist, the, the odds are that you're probably writing your own stuff because, or, you know, you're, yeah, you're probably writing your own stuff, right? But then once you blow up, you've actually got mm-hmm. the money to invest in, in, uh, yeah, songwriters. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, people, great I mean people, people only care about the, the front man for any product, right? So when you buy bloody steak from... Tesco, you're not thinking of the farmers who killed the cow and chopped it up. You, you don't give a fuck about that, really, even though they're a very crucial part to the process. Mm. I mean, that's just how it is, isn't it? Like, if I like a song, I'm not thinking, who wrote this? I'm just thinking, oh, it's a good song, do you know what I mean? And it, that's, that's kind of where it starts and stops for yeah. me, probably majority majority of people. Very... Go on. No, I mean, like, yeah. I so, was going to um... say, a very relevant example is something that we... Me, me and Toppe's kind of got me into watching Hell's Kitchen, right? Oh, yeah. example would be you know like dinner by Heston Blumenthal or like such and such by Gordon Ramsay go to the, go to the restaurant Gordon Ramsay's mm. not there in the kitchen you don't know what the head <laughs> chef's name is and you get in the mm. food and you're like oh fuck Gordon Ramsay's a great chef yeah <laughs> you know what that's fair that's actually fair exactly so you know you're thinking oh yeah thanks to the chef that actually fucking made the food when he's off in like bloody LA living his best life do you know what I mean so no that's it it's just how the human brain works and I think I think the, the the key the key kind of takeaway is that we just kind of make they, we kind of hope they get paid or that's the goal right just to make yeah, sure they get yeah. paid. But in terms of visibility, I mean, 
it's all right for Beyonce. I'm not going to be like, oh, like, you know, you just got to take that L with it. Take the pride that you wrote for Beyonce. You don't need all that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're not the, the product that's, you're not the sellable product. And if you were, you would, you would be the artist, right? And, then, you know, that's fine. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's just more about getting paid, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, since, yeah. We, since we mentioned Spotlight, it's probably, uh... Wait, I've got one more. One oh, more. go on, go on. It's just a small one. Um, so, um, your boy Nux, your boy Nux, you know, he's, he's out here doing another feature. He's been, he's been around. He's been quite busy recently, but he's out here with, um, a song with DC. Um, DC, someone who... I don't know for 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 the given amount of time he's been around, he's pretty quiet to be honest. But um, also yeah, teamed up with Nux for their new song. I don't know why the name is eluding me now, but um, yeah. I saw we were both listening to it today, weren't we? The album. Did you? Oh, did you see? It I was. Spotify? Yeah, I was. I was. Top it. I keep tabs. You forget oh, this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. cool. Um, yeah, Bobby and Rowdy. That's it. So yeah, what are your thoughts yeah. on this? Uh, I don't think I've heard the single. I've just heard a few songs off the album I started listening to earlier. Um, okay. So I want I want to get back to it. Um, okay. But yeah, what was what was your impression? I liked the beats on the first few songs I heard from DC though. I haven't heard the album yet. I've only heard the single. So okay. we're kind of opposites, right? So I haven't listened to the album yet. I know it's a pretty short album, so I was gonna get around to it and probably speak about it on our next episode. So you know what? Let's let, let's put a pin in this. Um, we'll talk about it on our on our next episode because I know. We'll be speaking to Hanavi quite shortly. So, artist yeah. spotlight here. Take us away, Erin. We have, um, yeah, great artist Ellen Erin Allen Kane, um, who I didn't realize actually a few days, you know, last week or whenever it was, we decided we'd do her. Um, she had a had like a, a good kind of like friendship relationship with Prince. Wasn't aware yeah. of that. Um, and that, yeah like they went through a period so basically the story goes back to like what was it 2013 or something mm. um and she had released you know a song it's not on spotify but i think she'd released like her first single after a period of like songwriting um and just out of the blue like prince's management team like called her up she's like <laughs> what and anyway she'd, she'd already like planned a trip home because she'd obviously moved to chicago to study she's from detroit detroit um and she decided not to cancel a trip home for thanksgiving so she was like yeah sorry prince can't make it crazy wild anyway two years later he contacts her again picks the phone up this time um and apparently yeah they went through a period of time just like calling each other most days just talking about music and like artists that they enjoy that is the story I feel like all the singers that um, I enjoy have so a crazy, like, Prince story. So Leanne La Havis, like, yeah, Prince came to my flat in London. That's one. Uh, Lizzo worked with Prince mm. on a couple of his albums as well. It's like, and obviously got Aaron Allen Kane. It's like, I feel like Prince has got his ear to the streets or his, like, management on A&R has got his ears, like, really close to the streets. Because to pick up someone like Aaron Allen Kane in, like, 2013, that is, that's a crazy find. That is a crazy find. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it, I I kind of get why he likes her, right? Because when I hear when I hear her music, right, the first thing I'm like, this is like a Motown singer stuck in like a millennial person's body, right? Like mm. she seems like an old soul that's like been <laughs> you know reincarnated and yeah. or something like that. Do you know what I mean, I kind of get I kind of get that vibe from from her. I mean, and uh, yeah, um, if you don't know who Erin Anna Kane is, um, she's also appeared on a couple of songs that you may know. So Chance the Rapper's um, Finish Line Slash Drown on Coloring Book. And also, no names 
reality check on telephone. So obviously massive songs in it, but you know, the Chicago natives of sorts. Um, yeah, I guess, were you a fan of her, one of these features back then? Those were both in 2016. 100% I wasn't, I wasn't even, it didn't twig mm. like it was. Because <laughs> I, I remember hearing her music like a little bit after that time. I think, when did I first hear her? Probably around that time, right? I went back mm-hmm. and listened to her first EP. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I wasn't, I didn't really click when I heard her on on those features. Um, yeah. Before you forget, actually, she's on, I know Vic Mensa just dropped a new, new yeah. project and she's on that, get to her. Yeah. But um, yeah, interesting, especially like we've talked about the Chicago scene, you know, obviously yeah. a fan <laughs> of a lot of the artists from, from there, yeah. you know, like Mick mm. Jenkins, Saba, yeah, No Name, all of them lot. Do you yeah. see, do you think it's just they've had their time and we'll hear from them, you know, in a few, like <laughs> this year and then in a few years when they drop an album or, or do you think, you know, we need to look elsewhere and because there's obviously like Lord Dirk and there's Polo G and all that crop coming from Chicago, right? Oh. So it's a, I know, I know that might not, not necessarily be our cup of tea, but like there is a crop no. artist from Chicago. No, it's not even that. No, I don't mind. No, that's you. That's you. don't 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 project your taste onto me, John. But no, I think what you're. I'm thinking about because I think your question is a good question, but my mm. answer would be like a whole episode because the whole Chicago scene is interesting, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, so wait, are you basically saying like is is the are you, are you saying like is the moment kind of done? Are we looking yeah, elsewhere for it's like a moment? Oh man, it's so there's so much to that answer but okay so i'm gonna put a pin in that because i honestly do feel like that answer can be quite long but i will kind of give a few brief points so the first, i think the first one is the people who were kind of spearheading the chicago scene especially the new chicago a quote-unquote so not so basically anyone who's not drill artists right um so people like chance rapper no name raven raven today i think she's kind of chicago as well currently on that but i think she is a lot of these people just don't seem Saba as well a lot of these people don't seem to want to be famous and i think that's also a huge part in terms of them widespread appeal obviously no name clearly does not want to be famous um i mean no chance rapper obviously did but you know his album didn't you know leave people satisfied um Saba is quite a private guy as well raven and they still hasn't dropped an album she's around for like damn near six seven years now so i think it but then it's like okay that could always just change so i can't say it's done but it's not it won't be as like prominent as it was saying like 2016 to 2018 because i feel like the artists that were the big artists that were there um they're just either not dropping enough or they're just too low-key and they're kind of going almost underground yeah. um, and it hasn't been like a new crop that's come around yeah even mick jenkins is very un- he's pretty much underground artist definitely yeah. so um so yeah that's my answer yeah i agree with you on that. i think there's definitely yeah. like an element of shunning the spotlight yes for those exactly. guys if they wanted like, to they could you know they could have been that you know the next the next big yeah, like, public thing not to say that they're not going to come out with great albums in future years i mean mick jenkins oh, only cool. released something a year ago right yeah, um, I mean, underground doesn't mean bad. It just means no, <laughs> no, not mainstream. 100%. So yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously, all of them have like massive connections in rap. Like, you kind of put all their feet, like people they've worked with together. Like, it's a crazy, it's a crazy list we're talking about. You know what I mean? So um, they, they, it's it's not a thing of they don't have the connections. It's just 
yeah, just don't don't seem to want to. But um, before we kind of like close out here, I want to talk about um some of the songs from her album. Well, the songs that were on our spotlight series, right? So um, so she had an album that she dropped a couple of years ago, yeah. a tree planted by water, and a couple of the songs that we had there um were fragile and feel the need. So fragile, um, she kind of talks about like inheriting some of these like not toxic traits but just kind of like traits maybe like her female ancestors needed to kind of like survive quote unquote mm. so kind of like building these walls up and feeling like you have to be like this strong woman to kind of get through life I and mean, then she's kind of realized okay like i've inherited these things as well and you know it's okay to be fragile quote unquote it's okay to kind of like not be strong all the time um obviously um feel the need she kind of talks about essentially black girl magic something like you know like you know, you're, you're her gift and, you know, love is a gift and you are love and sense, stuff like that. And um, I think what's quite interesting is that the, like the album is quite a shift in terms of, like, um, the things she's discussed in the EPs. So songs like Now and Then, which, you know, uh, was one of our songs, which is also our playlist. Um, she kind of talks about, like, more, like, general love songs, right? Like, um, I think on Now and Then she says something like, um, what's it called? I want to hold you tightly like the neck of a third glass of wine. Like, this is stuff like, like very, you know, <laughs> typical shit. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, what did you kind of think of the songs that we had on our Spotlight series? Um, yeah, they were good. I think, I don't know whether you mentioned people at home, like, the album was 18 minutes long. Like, this is... Oh, yes, very short. Like, we're obviously a huge <laughs> fan, but, like, there's one graph I do have about it. Like, it was 18 minutes. Yeah, Five course. minutes of it yeah. were the interludes. Yeah. So, like, your debut studio album, we've got 13 minutes of you singing. Um, would have liked a bit more, uh, not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I I, think the the interludes made sense. Like, they tied in, mm. as we kind of said, like, they set up the next songs, mm. which, you know, mm. they're obviously supposed to be. That's the point of them. So, it's good they all kind of mm. tied in. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I was a fan. I, I really liked the song Hummingbird. I know we didn't put it on there. But shout <laughs> yeah. out that song as well. Awesome. Um, but, yeah. yeah. The songs are good. The songs are really good. Yeah. <laughs> there was four. There were four songs. I <laughs> <laughs> we're like, yeah. we're going to put three on our playlist. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no. Fragile, I think, was a particularly good one. Yeah, like you mentioned, yeah for 100%. sure. I mean, I don't know about you, but she kind of gives me the vibes of like a... Aretha Franklin Ooh. type. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm not saying she's like, but no, I'm no, saying no, like, okay. the, yeah. Do you know what I mean? She kind of gives me that um kind of vibe when she sings, isn't it? Like you can tell that you know she grew up with a, like a lot of like Motown, a lot of vinyls playing around like in her house, and like it kind of seems. I think the one thing about Erin Allen Kane, oh, she's been around for quite a while now, right? But for me, it's 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 too. It's kind of like a, a double edged sword because on one hand, I'm thinking. thinking okay, there's not many people in 2021 that kind of give you that kind of style and sound. And maybe that's why Prince was so interested in her. So I think, okay, if you really, I mean, she's a really good singer and she's probably quite cheap to feature. So like, why aren't people, more people featuring with her? Do you know what I mean? That's one, that's one thing. Like mm-hmm. another thing is like, I guess when you kind of sound so much like someone else, people just be like, oh, you're just like a quote unquote worse, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. version of someone else who does it better. So do you feel like it's a thing where, or do you feel like she should kind of just keep going down this route of like, I'm just going to like um, um, wear my influence on my sleeve and just be the best I can at it? Or do you, would you want to see her kind of come into her own and maybe incorporate some more modern sounds or just, you know, more of herself? Um, 
I don't know. I kind of think of her in the same light that we kind of we did a spotlight on Baby Rose a few weeks ago, right? Yes. And Baby Rose has been on like a few projects here and there, like the Dreamville mm. one. She was on Big Crits yes. album, um, mm-hmm. and then she obviously released her, her album in twenty nineteen, mm. right? Borderlands. Yeah. And that no, no, no. Or to myself. To, to myself. myself. That's just my favorite yeah. song. Um, mm. <laughs> and so yeah, I kind of see them as the same as like they've got a kind of a unique style. Like Baby Rose's, mm. it's more her voice as opposed to like the you know, the kind of like neo soul, but like more of an, an older soul star. That, um, yeah. I would say one yeah. difference is that Baby Rose, like the production that she sings on is very more modern yeah, than Erin Allen Kane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Because obviously Baby Rose sounds like a Nina Simone kind of like, and um, what's it called? Offspring. But the, yeah, the beats definitely are like modern day. I think Erin Allen Kane is like fully in the 80s yeah. do you know what I mean and yeah, maybe yeah, yeah I, think, I think maybe that might hurt her appeal a little bit but I mean for, it's still a great single like I think that people, more people should definitely work for her more people should definitely check her out like if you're a fan of that type of sound you should definitely mm. check her out yeah sure. I don't know I think she'll just continue going along the line that she is right like mm. I don't really see yeah it's tough yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't really <laughs> see her like deviating at all from that. Like, yeah, there's an odd feature here and there. Like, Figments yeah. seem to have been her biggest or like most well-known feature in a couple of years, right? Yeah, like, I, I mean, obviously, Reality Check's probably her biggest one because yeah. she did the hook. Which, yeah, but I know you mean. I mean, the, like, the last couple of years, years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, the can't believe people saw the like Mensa like that, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> but whatever. Like, I can't believe that. I mean, that is so 2013, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I'm, I'm not judging. Um, but yeah, check out the three songs we have uh, on our Spotlight Series playlist. Um, something, obviously, we're doing as well is uh, letting people know that if, you, if you've had any gripes with things we've said on the show, you know, if we've... Uh, said things that are upsetting you um or just if we're we're not giving enough enough love to uh certain artists that you love then uh <laughs> let us know about that um can be from any episode right from the from episode one rhapsody the scapegoat all the way to mm. episode 25 <laughs> let us know and uh in a few episodes time maybe next month we'll uh have an episode where we kind of bring these ideas up and kind of you know <laughs> vinyl collective versus social media topics called out uh, yeah, get for back sure. yeah for sure and also yeah don't forget to check out our spotlight series playlist where the three songs that we just discussed here will be on our playlist as well as all the other 24 artist spotlights down 24 and all the other 24 spotlight artists that we've had um on our on our pay instagram on our show on our show um oh yeah don't forget to check us out on social media Valor Collective Pod, most places except for Twitter, TVC Pod. Yeah, follow us, get involved. You know, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from, you know, some, 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 for some of the fans. I don't know why. I'm just fucking up today. That is what it is. <laughs> but, anyways, yeah. Anyways, let's go and talk to Hannah. We'll be back in a sec. And, yeah, enjoy the rest of the episode. Cool. So, we are back um, and we have our special guest today on the episode. Hannah V. Um, so really good to have you today. Um, Hannah is a producer, pianist. Um, she's toured with so many incredible artists and uh, obviously a jazz musician as well, currently residing in London. Um, so yeah, great to have you today uh, on the show. Thanks for having me. That was a nice, lovely intro. 
trying to get all the highlights in there. I know, I love uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess one thing, I guess what the best place to kind of start off, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. the current like situation that's been going on. So, I know like last summer you were like working at Abbey Road Studios for the mm-hmm. first time for a couple of days, which must have been crazy. Right, I mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, as many artists do, you know, artists want like a Christmas album or they want to wrap up the year. So you're working on that for quite a bit, just yeah. kind of closing everyone off. And then obviously that was like three months ago now. So I guess, and I guess a lot of people, I guess, weren't expecting like a third lockdown, but here we are. Um, so guess what, what has kind of been the current status for you right now in this current moment? You know what, guys, it's crazy. Um, and I almost feel guilty for saying it, but I've never been busier. It's, <laughs> I think as producers anyways, we're so used to working remotely, sending beats around to the world, you know, um, zooming in with people, with studios. And I think, especially like as soon as lockdown one hit, um, I kind of started making my plans. Do you know what I mean? And I started reaching out to all my people that I knew had home studios and I started adapting. And um, what it meant was that um, as the year progressed, as the lockdown opened and closed and opened and closed, you, you just adapt to it, you know? Um, I'm quite um, lucky that um, I work with a couple of artists on like longer projects, you know? So EPs, albums, all of that. So at the beginning of this year, um, I had to um, finish off half of a jazz album that I just wrapped um, for an amazing singer called Joe Harrop. Um, and that was really interesting again, cause it's a jazz album. So usually we just get the musicians together in a room and record. Um, because we couldn't, I'd kind of go from studio to studio because you're still allowed to go to studios. You just have to, you know, be careful and socially distance. Um, and so it took a bit longer that way, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I really had to think think it through because it's like, it's jazz, you play together, you know, like how do I recreate <laughs> yeah. it in lockdown, you know? But again, the musicians I use are amazing and I, human beings in general and creatives especially, we're just adaptable. You just do it, you just crack on with it, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so I was working on that. I obviously, uh, as you guys I'm sure know, I work with JP Cooper a lot and um, we just constantly have a lot of stuff to do. I'm about to go into like a big project with him as well. He's gonna start dropping stuff real soon. Um, so, and then I've been trying to squeeze in like writing sessions and other productions in between. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it has been like really, really busy. And the thing I'm, fi- I'm personally finding hard is Look, we're all busy, right? And we treat ourselves to a nice restaurant or to like a couple of days away. Uh, my parents live in Berlin or to like a quick trip to Berlin to see my family, see my friends. And that's what I'm finding hard. It's like, uh, there's no treat at the end of it, you know? Yes, yes. And, yeah. and yeah. I love my job and of course, but it's like, it's, it feels a bit relentless. Yeah. And so I just can't wait for like the borders to open up and for me to jump on a flight and go anywhere. I don't care. Just for one or two days. Just skyscanner anywhere. (laughs) You know, just to like get that, you know, reset. I'm I'm finding I don't have a reset because even though I take, as we were just discussing, even though I take my weekends off, it's not the same as Mm. a change of scenery, being inspired, like being away from the laptop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. um, I think a lot of people can relate to you in that because yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people like work from home, like myself, like yeah. working on your laptops, and then it feels like the weekend just kind of goes and you're back yeah. exactly where you were because yeah. your scene hasn't changed, and yeah. the laptop that you're working on is just like two feet away from you. Like, it's yeah. like okay, cool, like, oh, you just got like, the exact same yeah. thing. So, 
yeah, no, it isn't like a thing where you can, again, like you said, kind of like go out to like, I don't know, like Nando's or mm-hmm. Wasabi or something and get something to eat. You just got to, yeah. yeah, you just got home doing like yeah. your your tent version of yeah. cocktails at home or something like that. <laughs> so, so, so I've done yeah. I've done this walk around the neighborhood 50 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I swear, because I go around the marshes, I swear I know which ducks chase me. I know <laughs> I've given like the geese names. I'm convinced this baby swan keeps following me and you make, the, make up these stories, huh? you know? But again, it's like, and again, look, we're lucky. We have all have roofs overheads. I'm working, which is so, so, so amazing. You know, where so many people, especially, especially musicians, um, are not able to work. It's amazing that, I'm, um, that I can still work. Um, so I've, I'm fully aware of that, but it'll be nice when everything opens up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess going back to kind of like your beginnings and kind of like early life you obviously mentioned that your parents are still living in Berlin um and you were kind of born you were born there to yeah. Indian parents and then obviously you've been living in the UK mm-hmm. that's a big kind of mix of like languages and, and yeah. cultures and stuff so how did kind of your early childhoods kind of like experiences of music and that was it a big mix of, of things kind of growing up you know what not really um as in my parents aren't really musical so um I didn't have that in my immediate family but in Berlin, I went to an American school and an American church. So in the school, um, there was like a big music department. Um, and so I was constantly playing piano, you know, for choirs, for orchestras, for bands. That's how I got into jazz band. That's how I got into, um, yeah, that's how I got into jazz, you know. Um, and so we, I kind of had a gang of friends and we'd, we'd have bands and we'd rehearse in school or um, at someone's place, you know, and it's the same in church. Like I went to an American church, um, which where there were a lot of classical singers. So it's not, it's it's quite different to like when people say they come from church, you immediately assume like a gospel upbringing, you know. Yeah. Um, my musical upbringing in church was actually like sight reading. So I'd come in, and you know, the choir director would be like, "Ah, oh, Hannah, the pianist isn't here. Can you quickly sight read?" And, and you know, so it was very classical. But it's in in many ways you learn the same things, which is like reacting on the spot can't be nervous, you just go with the flow, you try and lag your way through it because you've literally just seen it and you have to play it in 10 minutes, you know? And so um, so I find like, um, and we, there's so many people that have a similar background to me, but the great thing about being a musician when you're young, is, is you get so much experience. You get, everything goes wrong on stage when you're young anyways, you know, like, and you already learn from, uh, you learn about the poker face, you learn, just got to get through it. You learn that it's not that deep because it's like, whatever, you know, like you messed up a song, it's done, you know? Um, And so I I found like when I decided to become a professional musician, when I moved to London and all of that, I'd already clocked up a lot of performing hours, you know? And of course it's not like real performances, but you're still on stage, you know? You're still, you know, even if the audience is just your parents and their friends, it's still stage, it's still performing and you're still kind of, you're building your chops, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. yeah, even just to kind of mention that, because you said that your parents um, mm. weren't musical or anything like that. So I guess, I mean, I come from quite a um, traditional background myself, mm. right? And obviously certain, you know, certain like job roles or yeah, like career paths, it's like, yeah. what were you doing that for? So I guess like, I mean, did they kind of like, kind of take a liking to you do music or were they kind of like, I was not kind of expecting this for you. You know what? Um, I'm so, 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 my parents are the coolest. Of course, they're strict. They were strict Indian parents. But for some reason, they just never, they just really 100% supported the music. And I think 
it was because I was serious about it from young owners, you know, so they didn't have to tell me to practice or nothing like that. They didn't have to tell me, you know, when I was late, staying late in school is because I was in the music building because I was, you know, practicing with my friends. Um, and I think they just saw that I was happy, you know, and my dad, typical Asian would be there at every gig, um, you know, his video camera front row, you know, it's, and it's really amazing to have had that support all through. So I never felt um awkward about my choice of becoming a musician you know because mm -hmm. i just felt like it wasn't anything that even needed to be said you know because it was so mm -hmm. obvious like i was i was a musician that's all i was doing that was what i wanted to do um and i know that um for in a lot of traditional households that's not the norm and, and you know like definitely when i think of like certain relatives they were like huh because because i because i was smart as well you know so they're like mm -hmm. but you can do a, you can you can have a real job hannah you know <laughs> <laughs> I know, but um, so of course it took uh, it, it took the relatives a long time to come around. But as long as your immediate people support and love you, I'm not. I wasn't that bothered, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously, kind of from you said picking up jazz at, at the mm -hmm. American school, and then kind of moving on. Did you kind of move directly from from school to to go to the Royal College of Music then? Um, Royal Academy like, Music, yeah, yeah, Royal Academy. Yeah, so, so yeah. I graduated, then came straight over here. And that was like a bit of a shock as well. Cause I think it's the whole like big fish in a small pond kind of set, you know, like mm. I was, it wasn't that in, I was in any way arrogant. I was just used to being like really good in Berlin. Right. Cause it was just like my school. I was kind of the best pianist. Uh, me and my homies were kind of, you know, like at the top of the music chain and you're like, Oh, cool. Like, this is what life is just going to be like, you know, I work hard, I practice hard. Yeah. And then, you know, I came to the academy where I was literally surrounded by like people that have been like child prodigies from the age of 10. And, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, the world is a big, big place. And yeah. um, it was very intimidating, but it's also amazing because, you know, you know, like you have to just get over the fact that, you know, there are people there that have played a lot longer than you and, and are better than you straight, you know? And so um, after the initial you know, shookness of like, oh my God, what's going on here? You just, you just adapt, you know? Um, but yeah, so that was like kind of quite an incredible experience as well. I was there for four years. Yeah. I mean, were there anyone like during your time at the, the Royal Academy of Music that I, I guess people would know today, like any like alumni that, oh, okay, I can't believe that person's kind of like gone into this. I mean, not like in that? my time, but um, Quabs, for example, went to the Academy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Quabs, yeah. Quabs, um, um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else in the pop world there's a couple of like big film composers and stuff like that but okay, Bob's yeah. is the first person that came into mind um jacob collier <laughs> he went to the academy as well um so kind of you know like it's quite an elite school like that you know so yeah. um again it was incredible that i even got in and uh, managed to go there but with some of those institutions as well um it took me a while to get used to it because you know i wasn't i didn't I don't come from England, so I wasn't used to like, basically like, the game. Watch people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, when yeah. I was there, I think um, I think institutions are changing now and becoming becoming more inclusive and all of that. But back in the day, like, it wasn't quite that. Yeah, I so, could imagine. And so I'm there, like, with my little part time job because I have to, you know. And, and everybody's mm. like, "What do you mean, Hannah?" I was like, "What do you mean? You don't have to, <laughs> you know." So um, again, you learn you learn that people come from different backgrounds. You learn that, you know, my life ain't everybody else's life. And, you know, I, I mean, all the things that we learn when we're young, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
and I guess what yeah a question I had was um you know kind of what did that did studying it for four years kind of give you a different approach then to kind of like going into the music industry having studied it as like a, an academic subject as mm. opposed to you know different routes that a lot of people take into into industry um in all honesty I found it as amazing as it was being around such amazing, incredible musicians, I found it quite hard because I couldn't find my place, you know? Because again, I didn't know that I was gonna end up in pop and production and working with singers and rappers and artists, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of like, whoa, like, I don't know if I wanna do like hardcore jazz all the time, you know? Yeah. So. I just want to have a quick question yeah. about that, actually, because mm. one thing about like um, jazz musicians or people mm. who play quite classical is mm. that the genre, uh, the practice itself is very precise, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not, there's not really a lot of room for like a variation, maybe a bit in terms of like a jazz like performance and stuff like mm. that. But otherwise than that, it's like, you know, you, there's like, it's very, very, very technical, the, the genres, right? So because of that, like people like yourself who kind of come from these like prestigious universities, they kind of mm. look down on that right and there's um i don't know if you know, there's a guy called um cole kushner he does a dissect podcast on Spotify, mm, yeah, right yeah. yeah and he studied classical music oh wow um, i didn't know yeah, that hmm. studied classical music at university right yeah. and then he kind of realized okay there's actually a whole world of like hip-hop that people yeah. don't really appreciate yeah. and then he also went on to like dissect mm -hmm. like to pimp a butterfly which is very like jazz influence mm. so yeah i kind of wonder like what was it kind of the same for you did you kind of grow up thinking oh like because you said you were shocked right so were you kind of like mm, i can't oh yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a jazz musician like these pop guys are not even like doing the right chords or anything like that did you kind of feel like yeah i don't want to be part of that world you know what i think yes um there was an arrogance <laughs> But I think it's like that with everyone when you're young. You think mm. you know it all. Like, who the hell am I? Like, the older you get, the more you know you don't know nothing, you know? Mm. And especially when it comes to music, you know nothing. None of us know anything. Music is always gonna, you know, win, you know? So, mm. um, but I think when I was young, I kind of, you know, I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to have a classic jazz trio and I want to tour and I want to be like Harvey Hancock and da, da, da. And I wasn't interested in keyboards. I wasn't interested in any of that, you know? Mm. And then your eyes get opened because you get introduced because people and this is the beautiful thing about music it's it is an oral tradition people sit you down and play your record and you're like hold on a minute what <laughs> you know like and i slowly for the first time i heard kind of like jazz funk don blackman patrice russian all uh donny hathaway you know leon russell all of these cats and i'm just like what is this it's like vocals and and all the technicalities and, you know, and funk and groove and everything, you know? And so slowly you mellow out, you know? Um, and I mellowed out quite fast because again, because I didn't come from a uh, like prestigious music family or anything like that, I'd always been interested in, you know, like I'd gone, you know, I was always interested in going clubbing. I was listening, I was uh, listening to MTV and radio and all of that. So I was always open-minded to pop music. And I actually found out that at the Academy, I was always looked down upon, you know, because they'd be like, oh, Hannah, what are you listening to? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, Biggie, Roots, whatever. And they'd be like, Ugh. You know, and I'd be like, I don't know, I just like the, you know, and, and like, mm. and I was like, hey guys, there's a lot of jazz elements on these records anyways, you know, but um, so I found, I found I had to fight my corner quite hard. Um, but I think when that happens, it like, it kind of in, in a way gave me a backbone. Do you know what I mean? So mm. like, I feel like all through my life, I've been, I've kind of swum against the stream anyways. So of course, 
you know, I'm the one that goes to, you know, the Prestige Royal Academy of Music and ends up kind of, you know, producing hip hop drill records or whatever, you know, and it feels natural <laughs> part of my journey. Um, so I totally even, I always go off on tangents, guys, sorry, but yes, uh, yes. I'm trying to remember what your original question is. But I think every part of my journey, you know, good or bad, hard or easy, everything leads you to who you eventually become, you know? So I look back at it. I take the positives. Some of my best friends are still from that time. Some of the best musicians I know are still from that time that I still use. Um, I take the hard bits of not feeling included, feeling like I was an outsider, not, not finding my place as something that in a way I've now, I've now made a space for everybody else that feels like that, you know? And I see myself as like this collector of like a bunch of misfits um, and we all make music together. And it's kind of a beautiful thing, you know? And that probably wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have, if I would have found it easy at the academy. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, like from that, you you kind of obviously went off and the the kind of like early career was this touring, obviously mm. as a as a keyboard pianist for for a lot of big stars. Um, so yeah, how did that kind of come about? How did your first like break come about for that? So interestingly enough, um, it was again from one of my friends at the academy um, and he was fixing a band for, do you guys remember singer Charlotte Church? Yes. So when she kind of um, gone pop and again, I didn't know anything about keyboards, but he just called me up and he's like, Hannah, I need you to play like keyboards on this. And I was like, okay, but I don't know nothing about it. And he's like, doesn't matter because the other keyboard player, there's two keyboard players on the gig and the other keyboard player is a good friend of ours anyways. And so you know, like I got into the band, the other keyboard player kind of programmed up his second rig of keyboards, showed me how to do it. And after like one day in the pop world, I was like, yo, this fits me. You know, when something just clicks and I was just thinking, I love that we're taking, we're spending a whole day on a song, you know, like in jazz, you, you practice, like if you practice, um, you do 20 songs a day or you just go straight to the gig. And the, that's beautiful in itself, you know, the kind of improvisatory nature of that is is a whole different style but like i like the preciseness i liked digging deep into the records i like comparing you know um comparing the original records to my sounds and am i coming close or not you know and so i very very quickly kind of fell in love with pop uh, being a pop session musician and and i took to it really well as well you know like for some reason programming keyboards came easy to me not not easy but it came naturally i wasn't freaked out by it you know mm. like i was just like okay let's, let me just try it whatever you know just uh, hit it until it works you know like that's kind of my motto in life anyways um and and you know and and I kind of slowly started making a name of myself for kind of you know being and, and because I came from a, a classical background and a jazz background you know I had the technique to back it up um I was very quickly and very luckily again uh one of my first big gigs was Niles Barkley and I had no keyboards and I literally googled Yamaha and called up the first number um and whoever answered the phone thank god was like a really nice person and i was like hi you guys don't know me but you know my name is hannah and i'm on this gig and i have no keyboards and um they kind of took pity on me and just sent me a bunch of keyboards and that was like whatever 13 years ago 15 years ago something like that and i'm one of you know i'm still endorsed by yamaha and they're like a very integral part of my team and you know sometimes stuff just like that happens but you know what you just got to pick up the phone sometimes yeah, isn't it? that is such a shot in the dark <laughs> I mean, like, it's like a like a movie scene right it's like oh yeah. hey you got a keyboard need to form let me just call you know, like, and, and uh, again it was like lucky lucky that you know i was barking with number one anyways you know mm-hmm. yeah. and so i was like 
It's not like, you know, I'm doing quite a big gig, but I need your help, man. Because, you know, like, especially when you're starting out, I didn't have money to buy all of a sudden, buy loads of keyboards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the one thing I've never been shy of is just like doing things like that, you know? Just mm-hmm. just kind of like, again, I feel, like, I, I feel in this business anyways, there's to every 99 no's, there's one yes. That's cool. You know, I know that anyways, you know, so I'm used, I'm basically, you get so used to the no's that they don't, you just keep it moving, you know? Mm-hmm. So even when I made that phone call, I was like, Psh, what What do I have to lose? You know, or they're either going to say yes or they're going to say no, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, again, speaking of um, kind of making a big break in like yeah. session music as well. And then speaking of making calls, I'm guessing like, also you worked with um, Rihanna for about mm-hmm. a year or so, right? Yeah. So, um, and obviously she, um, seemed like a really good person to work with. She kind of flew your family out, your sister Mm. out and stuff like that. So I guess you just had to ask and she was going to do it, right? Because it just just works out that way. You know, like like this whole game and life in general is about genuine relationships. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, Mm. even the way I got the re-gig was crazy because her musical director had seen me on stage with someone else four years before that, Mm. you know? And just like, and then when the position became available, re-spanned, for some reason I popped into his head and he's like, so a bit random because it's usually always an all-American band, you know. Mm. Uh, but he's like, "There's this girl that I think could be really good, and she's from the UK, but let's try her, you know." And um, so you just never know where, you, when, and where you're gonna make an impact, you know. So mm. I kind of always believe you just have to. It's not live your life like it's. It's not about like always being like per- perfect. It's not about that, but it's like just being genuine, you know, because you just just never know. Yeah, what's, no. what's gonna happen off the back of something, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess just to kind of um, ask a bit more on Rihanna's topic, like mm. obviously because you were with her for a year, I guess you're mm. quite like closer in a, in a sense. So like, what, what was like your personal relationship with Rihanna like? What and and more so on that as well, like, did she? What was her kind of like her work routine like? Because obviously oh this God. is like, yeah, this is obviously Rihanna back in Listen. Uh, her heyday. So yeah, it was yeah. good to kind of get People- inside that have no idea and maybe it's deliberate people have no idea how hard reworks people have no idea um i've never seen anything like it to this day and i've worked with you know a lot of stars um so our touring schedule we'd probably do like three four shows um a week mm. so we were doing like world tours so we'd be in um we'd be in tour buses because we have to travel from city to city or venue to venue or, or country to country between shows um the read didn't mime you know so it's like a two and a half show hour show live with i think seven costume changes um full choreography all of that reflying up and down you know like proper you know big show stuff um after the after the gigs we'd always hit a club but it was a club appearance so again people are like oh re's partying it's like it was part of a job you know so go to go to club couple of hours come back then there was a studio bus on the road with us yeah. So come back about two or three or whatever, and we would go straight and hit the studio. So her engineer would be there, um, a whole bus that was a studio, you know, I think it was Pharrell's studio bus or whatever. Um, but she cut vocals until five, six in the morning. And then her meet and greet um, with the fans would probably start. She'd have, probably have to go into glam at about two or three in the afternoon. Like, and on days off, she'd take a jet flight to LA and shoot music videos. I mean, it was insane. Like, you know, I remember saying that she only has like one day off a year or two days off a year. Like real hard, 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 hard worker. And I've got so much respect for that because when you see that, you're just like every every single thing you get, you deserve, babes. Every single thing. 
because that's a sacrifice. That is a sacrifice doing that day in, day out, day in, day out, you know, and being one of the most famous woman, um, women in the world and all that that brings, the craziness, the paparazzi, the security, mm. like the, the mental scenes that you see when you're close to it, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot. And yeah, sure. she's incredible. And um, for me, um, again, and I think that's because uh, of my, you know, ethnicity, like um, it's always really important for me how, how people treat my family, you know, if you treat, if you treat, the people I love good, you're good, you know? And like, um, I think when we were in Berlin, we went straight, my parents came down for a sound check and we went straight to them. It was just like, oh, da, da, da. Um, and in that moment, I was like, you're you're down for life, man. You know, like, mm. it's, it's a little gesture like that, but it means a lot because we yeah. all know people that don't do that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So like, I've honestly, I've just got nothing. I've only got love and respect for that woman. And I think we don't hear about this side a lot. Mm. You know, and then again, maybe she doesn't want to, maybe that's on purpose, but yeah, man, that's, that's a hard working woman. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, um, I mean, any, any word on the next album, you know, you said, let's <laughs> come on, any, any, any insights? I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm, I'm as, I'm as excited as the rest of the world. Um, cool. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could kind of like pivot to another kind of like mm. great person you work with. So um, I, I know you don't know me and John very well, but one of John's favorite singers of all time is Donny Hathaway. Mm. And obviously you worked with um, his daughter, Lala Hathaway, yeah. who's obviously a massive artist in her own right. She's kind mm. of worked for like Anderson Park, Kurt Franklin, Terrace Martin, mm. Charlie Brown, like she's the no, Charlie Wilson, sorry. So I guess some. Um, I think you performed the Santorini with her, was that correct? No, so um, Layla and me, and again, um, it's what I said before, everything happens because of something else, right? So um, her the bass player in Rihanna's band was Layla Hathaway's MD, you know? And so when Layla came to do the European tour, he uh, I got booked on it. And then the next time she came to Europe, I MD'd it. And then when I went to LA, we hit the studio, you know? And so... Yeah it's like relationships just grow like that, you know? Um, and I mean, she's incredible. She sounds like her dad, you know? Mm. Um, and there's like moments, cause you know, um, cause like you said, like, of course, Layla isn't, um, is a very different artist to like a Rihanna or a Jessie J, you know? And we do very different stages, you know? Um, but I will still count those moments as one of my, as, as much of a highlight as playing Wembley Stadium, you know? And there's like certain moments that really stick in my mind. There's um, Apparently, she's quite picky um, what pianist she plays a song for you with, you know? I didn't know that. So I learned it. And she's like, yeah, cool. We'll do it in the show. And Eric later, her MD, he's, he came up to me. He's like, you know, she don't do that with everyone. I was like, oh, okay. Let me not mess it up. Mess it up. But there's one time in Soundcheck, because um, she, she's a great player as well. And she was, she was playing a song for you. Playing it. And I was kind of leaning over. So I was like, um, I, usually go, I usually go to this chord there. And she just turned around to me and, he, and said, well, he did this. And I was like, all right. <laughs> can't, can't say anything to that, can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He did, cool. he did, this is what he did though. I was like, yeah, well, what, whatever Donnie says and whatever Donnie did, you know, and like little things, we'd be in a hotel and Donnie Hathaway would come on our radio and she'd be like, hi dad. And you're like, oh, that's right. This is Donnie Hathaway's daughter. What, what's actually going on? You know, like you have all these moments of realization because when you travel with someone, you forget about, the legacy in a way because you're just cool and you're just on the road and you're trying to find food and you know all of that normal normal stuff you know so um it's it's incredible 
kind of having worked with Leila and, and also like the fact that I will keep working with her, you know, it's, it's so cool. Mm. And I guess comparing that to, to Rihanna and a lot of other of your kind of touring experiences, what kind of what kind of differences are there or, or how does it differ working with artists from different genres? Is it more challenging with certain, I don't know, with pop compared to, you know, the drill song you did recently or, or hip hop? Um, I mean, playing for Layla, for me personally, she's played with the best keyboard players in the world. Like Layla literally has like videos of her with Harvey and Chick Corea. Mm. And that one time I played with Prince and that, you know, like she's played with everyone. So me as a musician, when I got the gig, I like canceled everything for like a month. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just practicing, you know? Cause it's just like, mm. and it was for me personally. Cause of course, Layla doesn't, you know, like nobody's watching it like that. But for mm. me personally, I was like, I need to be able to hold my own, you know? I'm, yeah. it's that was really important for me and that's and that's a quite an interesting thing because I haven't found um haven't had a challenge like that in the pop world in many ways you know because like um as involved as it is in programming and there's might be certain technical tricky bits I'm not doing gigs that Herbie did yeah you know call up Yamaha and get yeah. a, few, a few more extra <laughs> yeah. keyboards gonna need these in. it's not it's not that it's it's a muso muso yeah game, you know mm-hmm with musos, musos on stage and musos, musos in the audience, you know? And so it just makes you approach it slightly differently, you know? And you're just like, I just wanted to kill it, you know? And I hope, I, you know, I did, I did all right. I did all right. <laughs> no, no, your performance was, was amazing. But um, yeah, I guess you, you, you speak so positively about like the experiences before, but then, you know, it's not, it's not all sunshine and roses because I, I at some point you kind of decided, you know, mm. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. And I guess to a lot of people, especially when you have kind of like quote unquote made it in some people's eyes, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're keyboarding for some of the biggest artists the world has ever seen. And now you're just deciding, no, fuck that. I'm just going to mm. do my own thing. Like how hard was it making that, that decision? And, and why, and why make that decision? It was the craziest decision of my life. It was the scariest decision of my life. It was the maddest decision of my life. Um, and it was the best decision of my life, you know? It's so crazy how these things work, man. Because and because exactly like you said, I was like at the height of my career, right? Mm. Like literally at this point, I'd done Wembley Stadium three times, the O2, like 20 times, done Staples Center, I'd done Madison Square. I'd, I'd done everything, every stage, more or, le- more or less every stage I wanted to do in the world. I was, you know, working with, you know, pop artists that, so we, we traveled like five star, you know, nice hotels, nice food, nice swag, nice this, nice that. It was a good life. Um, but um, something in my belly in my last year of working with Jesse J, I was with Jesse then, something in my belly just said, it's like, you know, sometimes when you see your future and you're like, is the rest of my life going to be this with the pop star changing up front? You know? Mm. And I was thinking, listen, I love my life. I love I love everything, but I want to be, I started out as a jazz musician. So as much as the big stages are amazing, that never was my dream, you know? Mm-hmm. And I want to create, I want to be part of, I want, I want to be on the other side, you know? And I think especially like, you know, you're working with Rihanna, you're getting stems um, from Kanye, from Hit Boy, because you know, you actually get the parts to learn and to program off, you know? And I'm getting all these productions, same with Jesse J, you know, I'm getting all these amazing producers, I'm learning their parts and I'm just thinking, hmm, you know, something in my stomach was just like, I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and I think, I didn't know I was gonna 
become a full-time producer, nothing like that. All I knew was that I, I wanted a change, you know? And, and I was just sitting there and I was thinking, how do I even do this? How do I change my career when I'm so established as this, you know? And for a year, I literally, I prayed on it. I, you know, I just put it out in the universe. I was just like, just like, literally, I was like, God, give me, show me, show me a way out of this. Cause I don't know how to do this. Cause I'm not 19 anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you can't, you can't just change careers halfway through, you know? And then very, very, very unexpectedly, I got signed. I got a record deal from Sony as a uh, artist producer, completely out of the blue. So I was always like producing on the side. I was always putting out little tracks, whatever. It got to a person who sent it to another person who took it to the label and who was like, you know what? We'll give you a little two single deal, you know? And that was enough of an incentive and enough of a, you know, small advance, but still an advance for me to say, you know what? I'm quitting. And, you know, um, I called up Jessie first because I wanted her to be the first one to know. Um, and I said, listen, just to let you know, like this is gonna be my last tour. And she was super understanding. And then I, um, um, I told the other, um, the rest of the people too, but on my last arena tour with Jessie, um, I, I hadn't told anyone yet. And it was a UK arena tour. And so I knew this was the last, probably the last time I was ever gonna walk on these stages, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was bittersweet and it was beautiful and it was sad and it was everything. You know, so I really like savored every one of those dates, every one of those stages, all the catering. I was just like, I'm eating everything because you know, <laughs> who knows when I'm going to get free food again, you know, like, um, yeah. but you know, like, because I was very aware of the perks that come with the job that weren't going to come with my production life. I knew it, you know, it's a, diff it's a very different life. Um, and then like my last gig with Jesse was actually at the O2 was Jingle Bell Ball. And that was it. And all of a sudden, I wasn't a session musician anymore. And it was a trip. It was mad. The first six months were horrible because I kind of kept seeing everybody else or, or the band or other bands like being on tour. And I'd be like, oh my God, that's my favorite hotel in Singapore. Oh my God, they're here. Oh my, you know, like, and packing my bags away, my suitcases away, because I'd been on the road for eight years at this point, you know? Yeah. Like, it was traumatic. I know it sounds silly, but it was like no, sleeping in my own bed for a week being around my family again you know mm -hmm. and not being able to run away from all the problems not being able to be like oh don't worry don't, don't. you know like i'll deal with it when i come back and you never come back because you know um it took me a long time to adjust and it also took me a long time to adjust from being a session musician which means playing the part you know um being guided by my musical director and and being being a role of an of a you know like a side musician you know which mm -hmm. i loved to all of a sudden being the artist i was like what does that even mean? What do we do? I even want to say? What kind of music do I want to make? I don't know. You know, like going into these label meetings, being like, "What's even going on?" You know, mm -hmm. um, it took me a second for sure. But you slowly, you just like I was saying earlier, we we adjust to everything, and it's all of a sudden, like you find your voice, and you find like, "Oh my God, my job is like literally to do what's in my head." Like this is incredible, and I started becoming more and more comfortable in the role. And now this is like my sixth year as a producer. It's like I love my job. It's a complete trip for me um, being on the other side, going to gigs when we were allowed to go to gigs, but going to gigs and seeing people play songs I've produced when I used to be the person on stage. You know, it's come full circle. I book the musicians on my records that are like my favorite musicians anyway. So I get to immortalize my friends as well. You know, I get to make like, I get to be there at the beginning of the creation of a song. It's, so, it's something so special about that. And I still get to play on the records, you know? So yeah, I miss the stage. 
it's weird for me not performing anymore because I kind of I don't perform at all anymore, you know. Mm. Um, but I I always think to every yes there's no's. You got to say no to a lot of things. That's just the way life works, you know. Mm. And um, so I said yes to production, was which meant I had to say no to performing, and that's something that even though occasionally it upsets me because that was my life. I spent my life on stage. It was the right decision, you know, and I can live with that. Sorry, yeah, I guess forever. No, no, that, that was that was really good. And I guess you know, moving towards, did you just a quick question? Did you have quite a a period where you were just like, you know, I'm going to try and reset my mind before you started going into the studio again? Once you'd got kind of back home? No, because I was signed okay. and I had to find singles to. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were knocking on the door, weren't they? But, um, <laughs> but again, like, and I feel like a lot of my life has been like this. I just get thrown into situations, and you just say yes, and you figure it out as you're falling. You know. Yeah, like yeah, you've unpacked uh, getting the studio. Yeah. You know, and so, but again, like um, a reoccurring theme in my life has been good people around me, you know? So the first year, because even though I knew how to produce, but I didn't know how to produce professionally. I didn't know what deliverables were. I didn't know what a campaign, uh, what was part of a campaign. I didn't know, you know, but one of my best friends um, um, is a, an amazing producer called Coors. And he basically co-produced with me for the first year and took me under the wing and he's um he was like professor green's main producer has plaques on plaques on plaques and all of that like that the way i played piano that's how he produced you know that was his thing you know right. so yeah. i watched him i learned from him um he helped me kind of like figure out what 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 kind of sound do you want to go go with and all of that and, and after years i was like yo I, I can do this now by myself you know mm. um and again that's like that is a beautiful thing that from another human being you get passed down those skills you know, and mm. so wherever I go, I try and do the same, man. You know, yeah. pass, pass down that knowledge. I actually wanted to touch on that a little bit since, mm. you, since you just mentioned it. So, like, um, one thing I don't, I don't know if you're a big fan of FK Twigs, like the British singer, mm. right? So yeah. yeah. So one thing about FK Twigs um, is she also produces all of her own songs, right? Um, and on her most recent album, she almost, I think she has almost full production credits on her mm. work, and and that was quite surprising because. Um, I think a lot of the time, especially in production, right? Because also we have like, again, we have a lot of female like session players, we have a lot of female musicians, but mm -hmm. when it comes to production, it is heavily, heavily male dominated, yeah. right? And she said something that kind of stuck out to me, which was that she said that sometimes when it comes to how, I guess, men and women are kind of perceived when they're producers, it's completely different. So she gave mm -hmm. an example of like, if you make a mistake as a man you just say oh i'm tired and oh. no one will ever kind of question that but if a woman makes like a mistake um then it's like oh do you need help or something like oh do you know what I mean like it's, it's not it's, it's almost as if you can't do it yourself so and you said you said something really like that kind of stuck out to me it's like being female is not my brand it, mm. does that kind of tie into kind of some of the um maybe issues you've had during like producing as a woman because you can yeah um, and again i'm used to I'm used to being underjudged. I don't think that's a word, but I'm used to that. Because um, even as a musician, people be like, I'm sure she can't play, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I've had that all my life, you know? So in a way I've developed quite a thick skin to it. I'm just like, oh, I don't care. Like, um, of course, in the producer scene, it's crazy. This, it's 2% of pop records are produced by females. The numbers are atrocious, you know? Mm. Um, it's tough. Um, I try, my motto has always been, and I got, I got it from my dad, man. Imagine like an Indian man growing up in Germany, like, um, or moving to Germany with his wife, you know, like it's not easy. And he's always kind of had a very like 
Ray Charles mentality, blind to the BS, you know? Mm. And um, for me, I'm kind of like, I always see my job, it's bigger than me, you know? Like, like mm. it's bigger than me, like it's a calling. And therefore, like, no matter what people throw at me, man, I don't care, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, do what you want. I, I, I'm gonna keep my head down and keep marching and keep fighting the good fight and keep making banging music and keep getting better, you know? Um, so that's always been my motto. Of course, I'm so aware of the doors <laughs> that remain closed and probably will never open. Um, I'm so aware of the looks, the glances, the, um, Hannah, but, you know, I'm sure you sing. I don't sing, I'm a vocal producer and a producer. Oh, no, 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 but you're just shy. It's like, you know, like happens to me all still to this day <laughs> when I'm just like, I'm, I'm like people, people listen with their eyes and I'm bored of it, you know? And I, I think, and then uh, with the article I wrote, that was basically what I was saying. I'm bored, I'm bored. I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna keep talking about, you know, I'm not gonna keep justifying, you know? Ultimately, listen to my music. Do you, do you like it or not? And that's, that's where we go from, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I found people um, that, that take me as a producer and nothing else, you know? And I think that's, and that's for, for all of us, it's so integralist. You find your team, you find your people. Um, so for example, JP and his team, um, his manager, like they've never, like there's just never been even a discussion about me being female, you know? And so as his star has risen, my star rises cause I produce with him so much, you know? And, and you know, and therefore loads of doors are being opened for me. And I've got a couple of people like that in the game and on the scene, artists that just like, they just don't care. They don't even see it. It's, it's, just, it's just nothing. It's like, oh, Hannah, don't produce it. Let's go, you know? And so you align yourself with similar energies, man. And and I've learned not, you, we all got to stop knocking on those doors that are, ain't going to let us in anyways, you know? It's frustrating, but as, how, how long are you going to, you know, like knock on, on certain doors, you know? Like uh, the unfortunate fact is that the music industry is sexist and racist. It is what it is and classist. It is what it is, you know? All I can do is try and show, make a difference, show that there's another way, and everybody else that feels left out, come, come, come to me. We'll hang out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you just mentioned kind of JP Cooper, um, mm -hmm. and I guess moving on to to the work you did with him, you you kind of produced two singles, two mm -hmm. songs from from his uh, 2017 album. Mm -hmm. um, one of them obviously being JP and Stormzy. What was that kind of like, you know? when you know when you kind of think about going into the studio with two different people from you know pretty different different genres what is it more about kind of establishing a a kind of like rapport and kind mm. of like a relationship with them as opposed to like the technicality of the producing um i take every session no session um, is the same as another right um so you have to be as a producer i think in general you have to just be really open-minded and see see what energies people come with you know the stormzy jp session was crazy because like they've been wanting to work together for ages and as a joke i always said to jp i'll oh, come to me come to my studio my studio's in hoxton you know <laughs> and one day jp's like yeah stormzy's gonna come I was like what okay um and it was the first time that that they probably met so um i kind of in a way for the first hour as they were talking you know i in a way my studio is small, but I kind of just turned to the piano, to the keyboard, and just played in the background because I was like, I need to give you guys space to to connect as artists that want to collaborate on something, you know. Mm. Um, and again, that's I feel like this is something I've learned at being a musician, being around characters, being around artists. Anyways, you know, you can sense the mood in the room, you know, and you can sense when you need to just slightly 
you know, like you guys do your thing. Um, and so they just caught up about what they were doing, this and that. Um, and then when it came time to kind of work on something, um, it was pretty crazy. Um, I kind of had some piano ideas and I played Storms with them. And he was like, the first one I played, he's like, that's cool. And I was like, all right, let's do that, you know? Um, and so I just played that, played down that piano part, kind of looped it. Storms starts writing, JP starts writing. I start making a tiny bit of a beat, enough of them to vocal. The whole session, that whole session was Stormzy left after three hours. JP left after four hours. And those are the vocals we use on the final record. The whole song was written then, you know, it was incredible, it was incredible. And it just goes to show like, I mean, both Stormzy and JP are gifted, gifted with their pens. Yeah, I, now, wanted, I wanted to kind of comment on that because gifted, oh yeah, for the people gifted. who are listening, um, this was around 2017, right? So Stormzy kind of just came off his um, debut album, Gang Signs and Prayer. And at the time, like, even though now he's like a global superstar, right? Like at the time he was like the nation's sweetheart. He hadn't mm -hmm. quite got to that point yet. Yeah. So, and also you kind of working directly with him during this year, like, did you kind of, did you kind of see the trajectory? Like at that time with Stormzy, did you kind of know, okay, this is where he's going to go? Like, did you kind of get that energy when Absolutely. he was like, writing the room? Absolutely, man. You... <sighs> You know when somebody's a star. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> it's it's the fact that they don't make a big deal out of stuff. It's, mm. the, it's how relaxed they are. It's how lovely they are. It's like nothing, nothing mm. to prove. You know? And you're like, you're the real deal. Because you ain't trying to like show off or nothing. You're you're here for the music and nothing else. You know? Mm -hmm. And immediately you get a sense of like, this is bigger than he gets it, it's bigger than him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, you, you just felt it. You just felt it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I knew it was a special track as we were sitting there. I was just like, Pfft. and you know, like, again, for me, like personally coming from, you know, a Christian family, like my first big track being a song called Mama's Prayer is like, I literally had to like print out the lyrics, send it to my grandma, you know, like, and, and these are like really cool, like side effects mm. of these things that happen where, you know, like my extended family don't listen to my music, but these are moments where they're like, oh, this is, that's a really nice song. And mm. And it makes me really proud to be able to like even get them into it as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, mm. sure. yeah so I guess like moving from, from mm. there onto your EP, uh, No yeah. Limit. So it's true that you were kind of working on that for about two years. Is that right? Before? Yeah, man. It was, it was a tricky one. Yeah. Like I think, because um, again, it's because I produce so much for other people, you know, and like I'd really say like, 90% of my work is writing, producing for artists, but there's always something in me was just like, it's just nice to have your own name on something once in a while, occasionally, you know? Um, but I think I'm, when, when you're doing working on your own material, you just get lost in it a bit in terms of like emotionally, it's an emotional roller coaster. When you're on the outside, it's really easy to be like, this is what we need to do, bam, 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 I need you to sing this, I need you to do this, the record is done. When you're on the inside, you're just a hot mess, you know? You're like, is this good enough? Does this represent me? What am I trying to say? Blah, 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 blah. And you just run around in circles a bit, you know? And um, it's it's tricky, man. It was, it's tricky, but I was so happy that um, with the end product and I got some great artists on there, you know, Shiesty, Misha B, Pepper, Cherry V. Um, and it ended up just being an EP with my friends, you know, people I was working with anyways on their projects and then they jumped on my project and then, um, and it became like this little like family again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a second to, to, to get that out there. Mm. 
I mean, you mentioned, I think one thing you said, I think it was in a different interview, you said like your job as a producer is to get truth in the room. And I thought that was a really interesting comment to make because I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know how much of rap you listen to, but I guess it's not, there's not a lot of truth in some of those rhymes a lot of the time. So it's like, when you say but that- then, No, but you know what? <laughs> it still is truth because like mm. if right then and there, you, you're like, I feel crap. I want to make myself feel good. Let's pretend right. it's truth right. as well. Do you know right. what I mean? Party tracks are truth. Escapism mm. is truth. It's all truth, you mm. know, but it can't be because so-and-so did a song and I think that would hit. It can't be that. It cannot be that, you know, mm. uh, but if you want to do a party and bullshit track, because, you know, right then and there, you're like, everything's long. I'm in a bad mood. I need to do something that puts me in a good mood. That's I find that's truth as well. So, you know, so it doesn't always mean that it needs to be a ballad. It can be like gully as hell. You know, it's more about integrity then. Yeah, it needs to yeah. come from it needs to come from the uh, from a real space. You okay. know, I think that's what I mean with truth. You know, you know, like, and we need to be on a level. You know, because mm -hmm. like again, it's like I I just laugh about some of the rap sessions I have. You know, and you know, obviously people spit in all kinds of like, <laughs> and um, I just don't mind. I don't care. You know, like there's something about like I don't get, I don't find it awkward or anything like that. You know, because it's just like music is music, man, and the studio is a safe space, you know? Okay. And um, if, if you're feeling like that, psh, let's go, let's, you know, and um, and, it, and it's all good. Of course, you know, it had, you know, like um, you have to be respectful and all of that, but you know, <laughs> cert, 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 certain times, certain men rap about certain things. And it's like, and it's just funny having, as a female producer, like being like, yeah, cool. Um, can, can we track that again? Can I hear that word? You know, and, and like, I laugh to myself a lot of times, you know, and you're just <laughs> like, this is so hilarious, but, it's music and I need, we need to do what we need to do. And actually I find it funny and I'm not, I don't find it awkward at all. I don't, I just don't care, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, I was going to ask one thing I found interesting about uh, the No Limit EP was, um, you know, there seems like there's a lot of different kind of soundscapes in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a, an EP of seven tracks, am I correct? Five, 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 yeah. mm -hmm. about seventeen minutes, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Really you obviously cool. like managed to get a lot of different sounds mm -hmm. in there. Was that something? You worked on it for two years was that something pretty intentional that you were like you wanted to draw on a lot of different um kind of experiences you'd had kind of Luminous. but i think it also came down to the artist i was working with mm. you know right. um because yeah. i think the reason it took as long as it took is because i had so many i just kept going from song to song to song to song to song the second i actually decided on the songs then it doesn't take me long to finish songs you know mm. um and so um, I think you hear like all my different influences, but for example, with the Misha B song, it's like quite jazz, jazzy horns. And I sent her a beat cause I had a really specific like um, beat in mind, you know, like I wanted to do something outcasty. And so I did that. I sent that to Misha and like literally 20 minutes later, she'd written the song and sent me a voicemail back, you know? And I was like, uh, okay, let's go studio, uh, you know, do that with Shiesty again. She wanted to do like, we were working on her material anyways. And so, we're just working on something a bit old school, you know? And then I was like, you know what, Shai, if you're not going to use that, I'm going to use that, you know? Same, me and Pepper, we work all the time, you know? So that was just like one of the songs we were working on. So it's, um, it's, it all came about very naturally. So I guess when those songs were created, I didn't know they were going to go on the EP. We were just writing and we we're just having fun and we we're just messing about, you know? And I then chose the songs and, you know, thought they fit, you know, even though, because I feel they showed different sides of me um mm. but there's like there's a strong positive sentiment throughout them all you know mm. yeah i mean yeah, that, that kind of follows on straight to what i was gonna ask next so like what is next for hannah are you, is that is it 
a no limit LP or like, yeah, what, what's down the pipeline for you? Like any like collaborations or teasers like you can give us? I mean, look, I'm constantly working on so many different tracks and um, the great thing is like, um, you know, cause I produce, um, I go on a lot, a lot of writing trips as well, you know, so I produce a lot in Berlin. Um, I do a lot of stuff in the States. I've started to work um, um, in Canada as well. So it's like, it's an interesting thing. The way like our world works is like you do a track and then it probably comes out a year or two later, you know, like that's kind mm. of how long it takes for, 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 you know, things to kind of get ready, get to the stage. So, um, so it's just always quite interesting because it's almost like you don't quite know what's coming out yet. You know, mm. like I don't even know myself because I'm just like, because you do so many sessions, you're just like, what did I do again? And then somebody, all of a sudden, somebody hits you up and it's like, okay, cool, I'm putting this on that uh, that album, you know? I mean, this year I've got like, I've got a lot of releases with my main artists. Um, I've got some, uh, I've just, there's a lot of stuff coming out. That's you, had it, you heard it here first on the, yeah. on the collective. <laughs> but in terms of like the Hannah V project, I'm not sure if I'm going to do anything this year. Because again, it's, um, I need to carve out time for that, you know? Um, and I think, Musically, things go in phases anyways, you know, and I'm really enjoying right now producing for people and helping people find their sound or being part of their sound. You know, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I feel as much ownership on that as I do on my own records, you know, um, and I'm riding that wave at the moment, you know, yeah. and the second some space comes or I'm inspired to do, you know, I'm, I'm working on like a piano album. I'm working on like a beats driven album like there's There's things I'm working on that are just for me and, and the Hannah V project, but um, there's just a lot of other stuff I have to finish, a lot of tracks to be done. <laughs> yeah. And I guess in all of that, all the kind of, you know, the, the Monday to Friday work that you're doing, mm. like what's your kind of take on kind of like the current UK music scene? Like what, who are you listening to? What kind of genres do you just kind of sit back and relax and, and kind of enjoy on the weekend? You know what? So this is really bad, um, but when I'm really busy, I don't listen to a lot of other music because um, on average, I'm working on 10 tracks, you know, mm. of different artists, different genres, mm. different this, different that. And so my, my head is so full of music um, yeah. that I find, I find I have to, like on weekends and stuff like that, either listen to old stuff, like old stuff, Aretha, Johnny, whatever, you know, like things almost like to cleanse the palate, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, there's, there's incredible artists in the UK. Um, I really want to get in. Um, there's a, um, drill artist called TZ. I think she's incredible. I want to get in with her, you know, the artists I work with here anyways, Lavish Case, um, it'd be interesting to see what he's doing. There's an, another amazing young rapper called Nino's coming up and doing some bits with him as well. Be interesting to see what, um, what he does. Um, I mean, yeah, just, I just kind of, I'm quite open-minded. I listen to so many different kind of genres, you know? Um, I'm, I listen to, you know, a lot of stuff in the States as well, global stuff. Um, so I can't like, I, I wish I, I, I wish I had like a list of like, these are, this is who I'm checking out, but it's, it's a it's very right open-ended now, question. Right now, yeah. I, don't <laughs> quite, I don't quite have that, you know? Cause yeah. I'm just like digging whoever I'm digging with. And I think it's, it's a similar thing when people ask me, who do you want to work with? Like, I kind of have a list, but also I don't because I know life doesn't work like that. Yes. you know and and you just all of a sudden you're in a room with someone who you didn't think like the lavish k record happened because of stormzy because stormzy's homie was in the studio with us 
he's uh, um, ended up ANRing for Murky and all of that. He found lavish, he brought lavish to me, bam. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. You know, so you're like, you don't even, I don't even know who I'm going to be producing for in, in a couple of weeks. Who knows, you know, what phone call I wake up to tomorrow. So I'm, I kind of like, I, I love that fact about just being really open-minded. You know, we all have our heroes. We all have people we want to work with, of course. But um, for me, the excitement is in the unknown. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a kind of a good way to ride out, don't you think, John? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean, I guess coming at, like, at the end of um, this like interview, was there anyone you want to like thank or like, kind of shout out? <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, let me shout out. I've been thinking about this um, um, this year. I've been thinking about the inner circle in terms of music, you know? Mm -hmm. The people you go back to again and again and again and mm -hmm. again. You're 18, you know? Um, and how important that is, how important it is to have your team, you know? Um, and so for me, my team is like uh, my musicians, my mix engineer. Um, and so I want to shout, shout out my A-team. So. Um, Nikki Brown, Troy Miller, um, Deshaun, Kors, my mix engineer. Just um, none of us do this alone, you know? It, um, and my team is so, they're so strong and they're so talented and they're an, an extension of my sound. And I feel so privileged to be working with like, honestly, such amazing other talent, apart from the artists, you know, like my team yeah. is strong, man. And that's like, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we're going to quickly shout out ours as well while we're here. <laughs> but yeah, um, every, every week we uh, do kind of a spotlight series where we pick a new artist in the UK or in the US. Um, we write a little bio about them, um, kind of suggest three songs. So um, yeah, as we kind of mentioned just before you came on, uh, you can check out that artist this week um, and see our three songs in there. Um, our Now and Then playlist. Some people, some some people say it's their favorite playlist, but we'll, yeah. we'll leave it to them to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, each week we pick um, like a throwback song, uh, and then we pick a new song. So anything from the last kind of two years. Um, I'll start us off so you, so you guys don't feel you've got a couple minutes to think. You've got, you've got a couple minutes to, to pick I from think those got my three. List. I've got my little list out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. New song for me. Um, actually, I'm going to get old first. Mm -hmm. uh, a good go with Red and Gold by MF Doom. Okay. I've been listening to, I think I, I treated myself the other day to his, what was it, his extended edition with all the instrumentals of it, of Operation mm -hmm. Doomsday, um, which is incredible. Yeah, so Red and Gold. Um, my new song, I think I'm going to go with Hiatus Coyote's new song, um, which mm. is called Get Some. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I did. I had no idea. Top A tweeted about it, and I was like, "You know what? Six years. <laughs> been gone for six years, haven't they?" So, yeah, yeah great, great um, return to form. But yeah, get some song by Hotis Coyote. Cool. Nice. Uh, I'll give. I'll slap on my two. That's awesome. my now song is a singer from West London, actually. Um, Hope Tata, um, called "Love Stained." Really good song. Um, yeah, not really much to say. Probably have a as an artist spotlight sometime down the road um my then song um I, I, just a little bit of context Anna. so i've been challenging myself to listen to a new album every single day every single uh, day every, every single day, day. wow every, so 
it's been, how's your brain doing it's it's just about there it's just about there <laughs> so um, no my bed song is gonna be sticky by raven lene so yeah i'll just add that so it's just, it's just a mm. lot of like throwbacks in my head so yeah mm. and then last but not least how do you have to come okay somewhere? so um i can decide between um i have two songs from my old school ones um so it's either Tribe Called Quest, the lower, um, Bugging Out. Nice. Tope loves that, yeah. Either that or Buster, Give Me Some More. We're going to take Tribe on that one. Because yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of videos that. as well, you know, like, and I was thinking of yeah. like old school. But yeah, Tribe, obviously, you know, um, yeah. mm. always. And then New, again, I have a couple, um, I was, had a couple that um, I couldn't choose from. So um, I've been messing with Givian hard, you know, so like, like I want you, but... My favorite, my awesome. one of my favorite artists of the last um, couple of years is the Canadian artist called Mustafa, and his record "Stay Alive." That video and that song blow my mind every time I've listened to it hundreds, thousands of times. It blows my mind, you know. Um, but the visual is very important for it as well, you know. Um, them two together, I have to work with them. I have to work with them. <laughs> that's one. Listening that's, now that's one of the lists. Yeah. 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 That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We've got a, yeah, a good eclectic range again as usual from MFD to, to Mustafa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of rounds us out this week. Um, yeah. Thank you again so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, where, thank where, you so where much for having me, you? guys. Yeah. Where can where can people follow you? Find find your your music, your socials. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so just Insta is kind of my main social. So find me on there on Hannah V Official. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna add it here as well. She has also has like a couple of videos on like YouTube where she literally kind of goes from like making a beat and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which I think is really interesting. I know a couple of producers listen to us, so yeah, no, she's really, she's really in the streets, guys. I'm so, really, yeah. I'm really geeky, you guys. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, like I love, I love geeking out about. I love going into detail of production. I just, I love it. Yeah, and yeah, obviously follow us on Vinyl Collective Pod on Insta, TVC Pod on Twitter, as John mentioned, now and then playlist on Spotify, the Vinyl Collective. Um, I think, yeah, if you want to email us, yeah, you, you know, you want to be like, you know, Hannah, we did bring Hannah on again, vinylcollectivepod at gmail.com. Yeah. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Music, we've got <laughs> we've got a funny review on there recently, which said, great, al- great album reviews, but very opinionated. It's like, like yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we addressed on the previous episode, like yeah. whatever, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps up for us. But again, Hannah, thank you for um coming on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, you guys. No worries, guys. Thank we'll you. see you, we'll next, see you week. next week.